This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Sports talk show for your drive home. I mean, you know how it is, rocking and rolling and whatnot. This is Dukes and Bell. Brought to you by Finley Roofing. We've got you covered. Atlanta's most trusted and recommended roofer. On Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. I think Steve Weiss last hour got our fan base excited in saying, quote, I was told the Falcons will be aggressive. The aggression will be going up and drafting their quarterback. I don't think Justin Fields or Kirk Cousins are their first option. That has a lot of people responding, Mike, to what he had to say. You'll hear the full interview coming up a little bit later on if you missed it with uh, our buddy Steve Weish. But if that is what he's hearing, and if that is, in fact, the goal, then this week is huge because you want to evaluate all the guys that are going to be there. Again, it's Mm -hmm. not about the throwing. They'll see enough of that, and the tape is out there. It doesn't lie. What you want to do, if Mike, is meet these guys and get a sense of who they are and whether you feel like, okay, this is a guy that we can definitely work with as you start this process this week. I was talking to uh, T-Bob, Bobby Hebert's son last yeah. week, and yeah, yeah. I was asking about, you know, because Chris and I were on, we were off on Friday, and I was saying, you know, what's Jaden Daniels like off the field? He's a great guy. And the film work and how we've got better, the improvement and the accuracy and throwing guys open and throwing to a, you know, to a spot, receivers getting there, things you want to see from an NFL player. And he's going to make some better decisions, much like, you know, take any running quarterback, you know, whether it was, who was a quarterback this year in Indianapolis as a rookie from Florida? Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson or, you know, what RG3 was in the past. you got to know when to get down because he took some big hits in this last year at LSU. He did. Um, and, again, you can't do that in the league. You know, We know that. Right. But if that's the plan, and, again, that's a quote from Steve Weish, mm. the Falcons will be aggressive. That aggression will be going up and drafting their QB. I don't think Fields or Cousins are their first option. Now, maybe you go this week, Mike, you evaluate the guys that are there, and you go, all right, we still have this other option over here. They know it's there, and I'm talking about the Fields or the Cousins, mm. whatever you want to. It's over there. That's sitting there. That's not going anywhere right now. You've got to know what you want to do when the league year begins with, with free agency here, Mike, and tampering, if that's the direction you want to go so you can get a deal in place. But I, I love the idea of drafting a guy. I have nothing – nothing's wrong with this idea that we can draft one of these guys and he becomes our guy for the next 10 years. We said this from the jump. I've, there's nothing wrong with that. So mm. if we go that way, great. If we don't, so be it. But at the end of the day, right. there's a lot of ways to go about this. I just want the right way. What is the best fit? And I keep right. getting back to this. Yeah, again, Fields, I thought there'd be a dead uh, I mean, a dead issue going to uh, the Raiders because his former OC is there. But Steve Weiss brought up the fact that they actually did once, you know, he called them out, get onto the same page offensively. And then there's the Patriots and the rumors about the Patriots perhaps being in the mix for Fields in a big trade with them. We'll find out.
Luke Getzey uh, with the Raiders. Yeah. All right, let's talk uh, some dogs with Connor Riley. Dukes and Bell on the sidelines with the dogs. Connor Riley, um, I want to start first because uh, the first thing I thought about over the weekend when I saw the fake outrage about court storming was the Alabama-Tennessee game a couple of years ago when Bryce Young was the quarterback. Tennessee wins. They hadn't won in 15 years against Alabama. They hadn't beaten Nick Saban. He was there. I think they lost between 07 and 2021. And the the fans of Tennessee stormed the field. We've seen it in the SEC in big games, Alabama, Auburn, et cetera. Well, hell, Clemson, Duke beat Clemson, and Duke stormed the field this year uh, in Durham. And nobody's talking about that. So it happens. So so what is the big deal here? And Because this goes beyond college basketball, guys. If you ban this in college basketball, it's going to be banned across the board in, in college football as well, which we know schools now get fined. Connor, what is the answer here? There's no dollar amount that is going to get a college kid not to step on the court if their team beats a Duke, if their team beats an Alabama, if their team beats a Georgia at this point in time, because that's just something we haven't seen because Georgia hasn't lost a road game since 2020, and that was during a COVID season. It was against Alabama. So I, I think there's just nothing you can really, in my opinion, do to prevent kids from, this mo- from that moment and running onto the field and running onto the court. I think the steps that need to be taken would involve security in the arena, maybe not so much trying to stop the kids coming onto the court. Now, I'll note the Wake Forest kids got on there very, very quickly, and that was just a tough situation. Um, I think security needs to do a better job of escorting players off the field, of escorting coaches off the field. And it's one of those things where if you know it's going to be a tight game at the end and it looks like it's over – I, I think that's something where security, not not the coaches and the teams, but they need to step in and get guys and get players off the court. Because, uh, again, it's a problem. I don't really know how you solve it because on the other end, you know, I think court storming in large are part of what make college sports great in that scene, in that environment. And, you know, the Tennessee fans, that's a, a, a game they're going to remember forever. Right. But I am sympathetic as well to the players on the other side of, hey, you know, it, it can be, as we saw with Kyle Filipowski over the weekend, a dangerous situation. So I, I don't believe, you know, higher fines is going to stop anything. I think security needs to be better in terms of ushering guys and protecting opposing players and getting them off the field to where they're not in harm's way. Right. And I think the commonality in all this is, I mean, like we've had guys storming the court, storming the field for over a century. It's just now people are belligerently drunk more so yep. maybe than they were in the past. You saw the wake, for- you know, when the, the wake forest video goes out and Shire's trying to get the cops attention, the guy behind him is like, Aah! I mean, literally looked like Bluto from animal house. So that's part of it. But I mean, you're not going to. There's no way to stop kids sneaking or drinking before they get in there, too. That's another part of it. I mentioned that you know the Duke storming the field against Clemson. When that, I remember that way to, the, the way the season started this year. So I mean, with, with all due respect to Duke, all they can do is look at their own kids just a few months ago. Exactly, and you know it's hard for for a program like Duke that is used to this. That you know, other than when they play North Carolina, if you're Duke and you lose a road game, like you probably know that someone's going to storm the court on you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, part of it, and I doubt coaches want to do this, but, you know, in situations like this where you're going on the road, I think maybe that's something you need to be prepared for of, Hey, like, look, if it, you know, you, they don't want to mention losing a game, but at least be aware, like, Hey, if things are, you know, looking like we might go down, let's get off the field as quickly as possible to avoid incident. Because, you know, even from Alabama standpoint, I know Jermaine Burton had some interactions with Tennessee fans mm. when that field right. was storm LSU fans as well. Like that's, just as bad as what happened to Kyle Filipowski from a program standpoint, and you don't need those kind of things out there. 
Connor, let's talk about the combine. Uh, how many dogs are going? Who should we be watching? Um, by the way, Michigan will have 18 players at the combine. It's the most ever. LSU had 16 in 2020. What's it look like for the dogs so far? Yeah, Georgia's got 11 guys that will be going to the combine that is tied for fourth among college programs this year. Uh, I think one of the bigger stories, Brock Bowers, it sounds like he may not work out. Uh, that's going to be a late decision there. I think part of it is, you know, Brock's agency stepping in and, and protecting him. because he, He's so obviously a first-round pick based on his tape. It's so clearly going to be the top tight end taken. And at the same point in time, because he plays tight end, I don't know that there's a whole lot for him that he can go out there and show. And so while Brock is obviously a competitor, I think you saw him uh, show that this year when he came back from the tightrope surgery. I don't know that we're going to see him run, which is a little bit of a bummer because I do think he could put up some crazy numbers there. I think the two big guys to watch for Georgia and the guys that are, I think, going to generate the most attention from a national standpoint are one, Amarius Mims, and two, Ladd McConkey. With Mims, I think people are going to be blown away when they see this guy in person. Uh, you know, you see 6'7", 330, 340 pounds. But when you see him in person, it, it is a truly a rare physique. And, and I think he's going to test incredibly well. Broderick Jones, a Georgia left tackle last year, ran the fastest 40-yard dash among offensive linemen at the Combine. It, it wouldn't be a surprise to me to see Mary Smims do something similar with his athleticism and what he can do. And then Ladd McConkey, look, I know Georgia fans, probably people in the Atlanta area know that he's obviously a very good player, but he's also a very good athlete, not, you know, the deceptively fast, sneaky, quick kind of thing. He is a legitimate athlete in that sense. And he's got a chance, I think, to really impress some people with what he can go out there and do. Played really well at the Senior Bowl. And, you know, I don't know if he's going to be able to do this, but if you see something like a 4-3-8-40 from Ladd McConkie, <laughs> I, I, look, people are going to be nuts. I wouldn't be, like, floored, floored for that. Again, it's going to be tough to run in that time, but I wouldn't be shocked if you see him put up some really, really great numbers in testing at the Combine this weekend. G-Day is set. I looked I was surprised that G-Day is set, Connor, same as Masters Weekend, which I know for some Georgia fans are lucky enough to get the badges, but it'll be on that Saturday. But what are you looking for at G-Day, man? I know we talked last week about defense, you know, trying to find, you know, that, that, kind of, that unbelievable defense you had two years ago and, and, and a year before, but didn't seem to have this last year. Yeah, one, if you're conflicted and, and you're lucky enough to have passes to the Masters on Saturday, one, you shouldn't be conflicted. Uh, that's <laughs> a pretty obvious right. thing to go to. Uh, I would say, you know, again, with starting quarterbacks every year, it's different in terms of what you look for and what Kirby tries to get out of those players in that game. But with so much overhaul in, in Georgia's pass catchers, you know, Marcus Rosemary, Jack St., Ladd McConkey, Brock Bowers all moving on to the NFL and, Georgia bringing in a bunch of transfers uh, from the transfer portal. I'm really interested in seeing how those guys in particular play and how Carson distributes the ball. Uh, you feel good about what Georgia has in Dylan Bell, and I think he's a guy that can make real strides this year. Dominic Lovett entering his second year in the program as well. But beyond that, who does Carson really sort of favor or, or throw the ball to a good amount and have trust in? And if we get some, you know, some other answers there, I think besides Bell and Lovett, I think that could be a very encouraging step going into the fall, given, you know, I, I think Carson Beck is going to be one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback in college football this fall. And so there are some questions about the pieces around him. So if we get some solid answers on that on G-Day, I'll be very pleased, I think, from a Georgia standpoint in terms of what they have at that position. Connor, real quick, I just want to go back to Brock Bowers because I've talked to a few people around the league, and some guys have him in the top ten, some guys have him top five. Is there an ideal situation? Like, has he even discussed, has Brock talked about, does it matter where he goes? We know he's a first-rounder, but, like, for example, what if Brock drops? Just give you an example. 
and the Bengals take him at 18. <laughs> and he's playing with Joe Burrow. I mean, like, that is like an ideal situation, even though he doesn't go as high as maybe we thought. But for his production, yeah. it's a great place. So I'm just curious, like, is there an ideal situation for him uh, when you talk about the teams that are interested in him as being the first tight end taken? The uh, I think the team you mentioned there, like, that's the floor. Like, I can't see – Brock Bowers getting past 18. Unless, like, Cincinnati decides they want to get an offensive tackle, uh, you know, to better protect Joe Burrow there. But, you know, T. Higgins is on the franchise tag. It's a one-year deal. Brock Bowers would be cost-controlled and at a tight end position that I, I think you've seen. When those guys get to their second deal, they actually are a lot cheaper than what a traditional wide receiver that is capable of doing what Bowers potentially could could be. Like, that's the floor. Uh, but I, I think, and you've heard some draft analysts talk about this, Daniel Jeremiah, Matt Miller, because the top of this draft is so loaded at quarterback, mm. wide receiver, and offensive tackle, premier positions, uh, it, it's going to make a guy like Brock Bowers at tight end, I think, slip a little bit naturally because you can go get an elite wide receiver, not just Marvin Harrison Jr., but also like a Roma Dunze, a Malik Neighbors there. You've got offensive tackles and teams that need offensive tackles there. So while Brock Bowers is undoubtedly a top five player in this draft class, I'd be actually at this point be fairly surprised if he ends up going in the top 10 simply because of positional value. Now, I think that might end up helping him because he slides and goes a little bit back towards maybe a team like the Vikings or, or, or a team like say the saints or the Colts, the team that has nice pieces around him. And I, I think, you know, because they are a little bit more established and better teams might be able to more effectively use him. Whereas if you're breaking him in on a team, uh, that doesn't necessarily have the quarterback play to accentuate him. That could make things tough. One team that I think is super duper interesting, though, when it comes to Brock, is the Los Angeles Chargers at five. Mm. Now they could absolutely take an offensive tackle, but when you have Justin Herbert and they're going to be losing some weapons, it sounds like Mike Williams may potentially get cut there for salary cap reasons. Right. And that's a spot that makes a lot of sense. And you've seen Jim Harbaugh, no matter where he's been, get quality play out of a tight end. I think. The Chargers at five might be the high end there. And while, yes, playing with Joe Burrow would be fantastic for Brock, playing with Justin Herbert wouldn't be a bad option either in my mind. Hmm. What about the Eagles? You know, They always seem to spend uh, draft equity on defensive players. Maybe that if he does slip to the Connors point, Carl, about the draft and you know where the other guys are going as far as edge rushers, him going to Philly wouldn't be the worst thing for, uh, for Hurts either. No, and look, they've shown that they want to draft Georgia guys. Now, there's been a lot of, I think, recent criticism of, oh, you draft all those Georgia guys and look how it works out for you. I I don't think that's totally fair. We don't have the time to get into why (laughs) the Eagles season collapsed the way that it did. But I think you look at them in that offense, going and adding Brock Powers to Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown, uh, I I think is certainly a case there uh, to watch as well. Connor, tell the people where they can find your stuff, man. Yep, you guys can follow me on Twitter at KConnorRiley. Georgia had two big assistant coaching hires this, uh, this over the weekend. And spring practice, less than two weeks away. You got mm. the combine this weekend. Offseason does not exist here at the University of Georgia. Yeah, We didn't mention basketball for good reason. Boy, that was ugly. <laughs> Connor, take care. We'll talk to you next week, man. Yep, as always, it was a pleasure. All right. Yeah, if you didn't see it, Auburn literally bloodied the dogs this weekend. It was bad. It was ugly. Uh, they have... They seemed like they were going to be in the mix early in the year, and yeah. then it just fell apart. Much like Stoudemire with Tex, you got to get more of his guys, I guess. I guess. <laughs> he said that. We didn't. Hey, coming <laughs> up, we got more football to talk about, guys, um, including the guy that really nobody's talking about. Does he excite you or not? We'll tell you who it is coming up on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. All right, there are guys we trust in this industry when it comes to the NFL, specifically when it comes to the draft. Daniel Jeremiah is one of those guys. He writes and covers things for the NFL Network. Mikey's put out his top 50 draft prospects. Okay, No matter where they're selected, he's the top 50 talent. Talent. So Caleb Williams is number one. Duh. Marvin Harrison Jr. is two. I think he's the best player in the draft. But you that's, mean Maserati? That's, that's correct. And you just heard in the update he's not going to be at the combine and blah, 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 blah. It means nothing. Marvin Harrison is a baller. Roma Dunze is the receiver from Washington. Daniel Jeremiah has him three. Okay. All right? Just going down this list. So this is, again, where he's ranking these prospects and talent, not where they're going to be drafted. Malik Neighbors, Mike. So this – Three wide receivers in the top five. So this is a good wide receiver draft. It's along the line. I remember the uh, one that uh, we took Kyle Pitts. It was a big run on wide receivers That's in right. that one. That's right. uh, the most famous, of course, was we wanted A.J. Green or Julio Jones, and we moved up to get Julio, and the Bengals took A.J. Green. That's a good example. Drake May is five, okay? Jaden Daniels is six. By the way, sidebar, uh, a lot of Falcons love Kirk, Ben Kurt, the old uh, backup quarterback we yes, had, yeah. former Packer. He's doing breakdowns now on social media. Okay. And just for what it's worth, I found this in – I find it interesting. I find it interesting. He says, uh, just finished my Drake May review. He says he's a more athletic Mason Rudolph with less arm talent and a lot less accuracy. Has a lot of backyard football in his game. Doesn't have the athletic upside I think it requires to, to live in that world as often as he does. I thought that was an interesting breakdown from a guy that at least you know played quarterback, albeit as a backup in the NFL. Yeah, and, and listen, I think part of this is the size and the athleticism remind people of Justin Herbert. Right. When you say that, you automatically go, well, is he Justin Herbert? No, nope. but the size and the athleticism remind people of that. I've heard, Mike, again, mm-hmm. the arm strength is better than what you expect. Okay. We're going to see, but he's the fifth-rated top prospect, according to Daniel Jeremiah. Out of 50 guys right. – Oh, doesn't matter what your position is. So, obviously, there's something there with Drake May, and Jaden Daniels is six. Here's what I'm getting to, Mike, as we talk about these quarterbacks, and if the Falcons were to, let's just say move, you said to four, right? The right. Cardinals, the two guys that may be there, because those two guys will probably be gone, right? They're in the top five or six, just from a prospect standpoint. The two guys that may be there are ranked 26th and 27th, respectively, by Daniel Jeremiah, Bo Nix and McCarthy. Hmm. Those are not top prospects when you talk about this overall draft. And are you willing, and I've asked you this, to take the third or the fourth best guy at his position? Yeah, that's why I'd rather, I mean, here's the thing. We like, you know, you have your guy, I've got my guy. I think we both like Jaden Daniels. Um, Who do the Falcons earmark? That's the guy. And then you say, I'm going to move up to get that guy. I'm going to move heaven and earth. Because if you wait, that's what you're waiting for. Multiple first-round picks because you feel the skill set of a Jaden Daniels is so much more impressive than a Bo Nix or a Michael Penix or anybody else or J.J. McCarthy for that matter. See, I I get the the, the interesting thing that Steve Weiss told us, you'll hear more of it as you said at five, 
is that Justin Herbert, remember you and I even talked about it at the Rose Bowl. He did more with his feet in the Rose Bowl than yes, he did throwing. Arm. And if you didn't watch Oregon that year, you're like, whoa, what's this hype about Herbert? And then, yeah, you could make the same. I guess that's why the comp is, you know, they're saying Herbert to J.J. McCarthy, as you brought up. He's, he's, an, he's an athlete, but in, that, in, the, in the scope of the offense, he wasn't asked to do maybe what fans expected him to do. And I think it's fair. Like, you, you watch sometimes and you get skewed by what you see a guy do in college, whether it is by right. design or it just happens that way. And maybe that is what happened with J.J. McCarthy at Michigan where you go, well, I don't think he's getting throw the ball that well. He's got a really good arm. Here's what's interesting. We just had our buddy Connor Riley on. It's Dukes and Bell Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. We just talked about Brock Bowers. Daniel Jeremiah has him as the seventh best player in this draft, period. Right. So, Mike. Best athlete. Unbelievable. Right. When you think about it, and, and you're going to have probably three wide receivers go before him because, again, that's where most teams want to go. But Brock Bowers, guys, should be a top five pick. He might not be because of the team's needs and what, what, what may play out in this draft. 404-726-0929. We're just talking about it because if the Falcons are going to be aggressive, as Steve said, and he feels like that's the situation, then I don't want to wait on mm-hmm. potential prospect 26 or 7 or 8 you're rolling the dice again, Mike. You're taking a chance. I feel like I need to be in this top five or, or, or six prospects where these quarterbacks that we really like are. And this is where I know we're going to try to get Andy Randy to pump our general manager for information tomorrow. He's pump gonna, him. He ain't going to spill the beans. But, yeah, I mean, we've heard at least from two NFL guys, General Jeremiah, we heard about Steve Weiss, feeling that we're not going to be maybe in the mix for Fields or, you know, a, a Kirk Cousins. It's going to be more about going and get it, get it from the draft, which I like. And because, and we talked about this earlier, the cap space we mentioned Friday goes up $30 million. We got $40 million, $41 million in change right now before we make our roster moves. We could perhaps address those areas that concern you, corner, Edge rush, beef up the old line, and still go get that quarterback in the draft. Let me ask you one thing. Would you be great? It would be great. If Chicago keeps fields, are you willing to go all in and get Caleb at one? No, ma- no matter the cost. Ooh, now see, that's. If they say they're mm. keeping Turtle, just lifted his hands and did the money sign, I don't care. If, boy, we, oh boy. if we found right. out that they're staying the course, but the pick is up for sale. Are you willing to go all in, Mike, and say, this is what Atlanta needs? Man, I mean, Caleb Williams, and I, I always say to folks, everyone remembers Mike Vick nearly beating Florida State single-handedly in the comeback in the second half. Nobody remembers the next year where the numbers were kind of meh at Blacksburg. So for everybody who wants, and I'm guilty of it sometimes, dissecting Caleb Williams because his touchdowns were down 20% because he threw ridiculously crazy numbers in the Heisman yeah. year. If you go back and you, you, nobody thinks about that last Mike Vick, just don't so disregard that last Caleb Williams, I guess, would be the argument. What was the uh, the thing I sent you last week where if you want to move up to one, it was three number ones a and first three and number a second next right. year, a first and a second the year after. That's you have to give up 2025 and 2026, your first and right. second rounders. So swap this year's first and a second rounder. We don't have the compensatory pick because Calvin Ridley's not going to get signed by the no, Jaguars. No, yeah. Guys, for me, I'd do it. I'm tired of living in purgatory. Yes. I'm tired of trying to figure out what the next move is going to be at this position. Now, it's not 100%, but everybody is telling you, everybody we've had on, and they will continue to tell you over the next month and a half, Right. he's really good. He's got all the intangibles. He's a natural thrower. He delivers the ball with accuracy, velocity. He's got some Patrick Mahomes to his game. All the things that you want, he's got – this is what you're going to hear, and this is why he's the number one prospect in this draft. Not just by Daniel Jeremiah, everybody. Right. I'd do it. If they stay the course and we have a chance to do that, I'd do it. 
man, you'd be electrifying the fan base. You'd also, guys, from a financial standpoint, yes, you would lose some draft, you would you'd lose some equity in, the, in your draft, but your team is pretty strong. Provided you because you're not going and spending money on a Kirk Cousins or something like that, you're not jamming yourself up with the cap. The cap's not an issue. And then you can go and, and you can build a little bit through. I'm not saying we're going to be the well. We are. We are got a bunch of guys from the Rams. We can go f those picks and right. then try to build through some of the right trades and free agency. Yeah, I, I just. I'm I mean, it's, it's it intriguing. It's be- intriguing. Well, because again, getting back to Steve Weiss, and you'll hear the interview in 30 minutes uh, or, or part of it. Um, he says the Luke Getzey thing is not out the window. Where Mike and I were like. They didn't get along. I just felt when you know when Justin Fields goes, man, these guys got to let me cook. Basically, yes. they're you know they're, yes. it's, it's robotic to not let me do my job. I thought that would create a falling out with him and Getzey. And so Getzey's now with the Raiders, and and basically Steve was like, look, they played well and got along well the second half of the season, and you saw the Bears improve. Basically, after Fields said, let's fix the offense. So if he's saying, hey, there's still a possibility that could happen, you know, with, with mm. him maybe joining Getzey, but we're just throwing all the scenarios out there. And and what I'm getting to is he also said as much as that could happen. The Bears didn't fire their head coach in Matt Eberflus. And why do you not fire the guy who is responsible, but you allow him to fire the rest of his staff? You bring in new staff. Mike, if the Bears pick Caleb Williams and suck this year, Caleb Williams is going to have a new head coach next year. And it is a valid point. So my point is maybe they stay the course. Maybe they just they collect the picks, Mike, and they continue to team build, and we stay with the guy that has shown improvement and Justin Fields. If that pick's for sale, we got to go get it. Tell you what, man, I, I know I've, I've used this a million times. It has nothing to do with the Mike Vick. Every time I mention Mike Vick, guys, they all like twitch. But they don't understand the excitement no, no. and what it did for I'm the just, city. I'm not even talking about what he is versus Matt Ryan or anything Correct. else. It's just in 2001, when you found out a few weeks before the draft that we were talking to the Chargers and this was going to happen, it was the most un-Atlanta thing that I think I've ever experienced in my time, my 26 years here in Atlanta. It blew people's minds. And then it filled up Georgia Dome. And, you know, it was it was electric. Yeah, the feeling of it. Right. What do we got coming up in Guy Talk, man? Man, he's trolling on cuz. <laughs> Everybody's scrapping this weekend. I've talked to a couple of my buddies on the south side. No one can give me a straight answer on what the hell these nitwits were throwing down on Cam Newton for. We'll get to that. Speaking of which, there was a UFC fight in Mexico City, which then created a, a UFC fight in the stands of the UFC fight in Mexico City. Also, um, this is one that I thought was kind of interesting. Um, you always love to see a child that maybe doesn't have great all, all the opportunities in the world get to go out on the field of play with a legend. We'll explain. Aim. It's time for fun. It's time for guy talk. It's time for shenanigans. Brought to you by Hooters. If the game is on, it's on at Hooters. Any conference, all season long. A couple guys hit us up on the text line during the break saying, are we sure we love Caleb Williams? I said, well, as I mentioned, we love the 2022 version. You know, 2023 was a bit different, but I don't know. I mean, Jaden Daniels is a couple of like, there's a few guys. The only guy I'm not interested in, I'm just, I, I watched a little bit of Carolina this year, Carl. I just, I'm not blown away by Drake May. Yeah. Yeah, listen, I, I find it interesting, um, and I want to give him some credit here on social media. And follow us, guys. He's Mike Bell, ATL. I'm at Put Him Up, C Dukes. The radio show's Dukes and Bell, 929. And, of course, this radio station, 929 The Game. It's Jay who said he asked this question. Here's what's interesting. Jay was basically talking about, is does, does, does uh, he love football? We don't know this about Caleb Williams. He said, is he more involved with the, gl- the glam- glamour and the fame and all that comes with 
being the number one pick or does he love football? Right. And he said, therefore, that's why I prefer Jaden Daniels. That's what he was talking about. I don't know that. We, right. we, I don't know if anybody knows that right now right. About, I mean, about Caleb Williams. Chris just said, Mayer, he certainly gets emotional. I mean, we see it from the outside, you know. I mean, it's, I, I don't know. I just – I don't have anything, you know, for, there's a few players in the SEC. Like I said, I can talk to a guy who covers, you know, Jaden Daniels in Baton Rouge who knows sure. him and says he's a good dude. His head screwed on straight, as we heard from T-Bob last week, Bobby Bear's kid. Don't know that much about Kelly, because we will endeavor to find out. All right, man, a couple of things. Senator, going into the break, love to see when little kids come out, you know, with their soccer legends. And sometimes it's like a youth soccer program. Sometimes you hope it's a kid. You'd like to think it's a kid. You don't have to be an underprivileged child, but a child where the opportunity really means something. Sure. So when Messi steps on the field to start the MLS season against the Galaxy, who or who's out there walking hand-in-hand? Hand? The son of Kim Kardashian and Kanye West. Really? Saint West. Where a lot of people are saying this goes against everything this is supposed to represent a child of privilege. And, and Kim Kardashian goes, Oh my God, he is living the absolute dream. And everyone's like, Please, are you have no perspective. Like, none of you guys do. You have no self awareness to realize how awful this looks that some kid from LA who might actually, might actually mean something as opposed to Kim Kardashian and Kanye West kid walking out hand in hand with Lionel Messi. Uh, Orrin brings up a point. He does come from a broken home, Mike. That is true. I mean, it, his it, father is walking around with a mask on top of a mask at the Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, when they separate, his father was living in a football stadium. Yes, that's true. That's, that's absolutely true. I didn't know he was, it was his kid, though. No, I nor did I. I, didn't, I. I read this today. I, was re, I read this in USA Today. And I mean, he's a good looking kid, dude, but it's like, yeah, I mean, you know, of all the kids in the world, you really, you know, kid sits courtside at freaking Laker games every right. other night, so I don't really need him to be the guy that's walking out with Messi. Well, they had it backwards. <laughs> it was actually Lionel Messi who was the privileged one in that situation, getting to walk out <laughs> with Kardashians. That's true. The kid might actually be worth more than Lionel Messi. That's true. Hey, man, last uh, weekend, you know, we were, we're actually this weekend, we were watching some of this stuff, and I saw these images, and I'm like, what the hell is going on? Uh, we know that Cam Newton does a lot of work in the community. He's always been involved in charities, always been involved in youth sports. And Sunday afternoon, the video goes viral of him. Uh, it's the Wee Ball Sports in the Best Academy, and down, I presume it's down south side, or down here in Atlanta. And the video, as you see it, begins with three guys surrounding Cam wearing one of his Cam hats. That's how Cam, that's how he rolls. Yeah. He's got yeah. his own, own, own designer hats. So the video goes down, and Cam is basically just like, boom, 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 t- swinging on these guys, taking them out until eventually security breaks it up. We had one of those typical chicken blank moments that always seem to happen when guys scrap, when a guy's engaged with one or two guys, and some other guy comes running up and tries to sucker punch. Yeah. And he misses Cam, by the way, in that one. But still, I mean, yet, and I've asked a bunch of my buddies, including some friends from APD, and nobody knows what the hell this was all about. I don't know. If other they- than kids acting stupid, well, or young people acting, young men acting dumb. Well, I'll tell you what it's about. Somebody says something to somebody, and, mm. and then it popped off. I mean, right. this is, right. I mean, honestly, this isn't right. that hard. Like, how does it always start? Correct. Somebody said something to somebody, and and here's the unfortunate thing: like Cam should not be the victim here. He's the guy that's giving right. his time. He, Mike, he's the former NFL quarterback. He's the he's the MVP of the league. Here's a guy that played in the Super Bowl. He he is a guy that this community. All right, should respect and cherish for the fact that he's right. from here and he went on to do amazing things and won a national championship. He didn't have to be there. Like, like that's he's the, giving his time. Yeah, like this is the thing. Like, I'm giving back. I don't have to do any of this. And that's what's so frustrating to me is like Cam has always tried to give back to these situations. And so when I saw that, I just 
Yeah, man, that's what happened. Somebody said yeah. something or somebody was frustrated about their son or kid or somebody, and somebody said something, and then it popped off. But it should never get to that no. point, especially when it's about the kids. I hate people like, hey, we're out here for the kids, but then you're making it about you. This is the right. second time this has happened, if you guys remember. A couple of years ago, there was a bunch of kids yelling at Cam, and all he just kept responding to him was, is, I'm rich. Yes, he's right. right. I'm rich. Yes. Yeah, I just don't understand. I mean, when you meet an athlete who's been at the top of the mountain and done everything, and, you know, this, I don't know. Well, I, I don't have. They, but I got to say yeah. this. These guys, some of these right. young kids, man, they think they can yeah. say anything. That's just it. Now, again, they, they, they really do. I don't have kids because I'm too irresponsible, but I just, I don't know what's going on out there. I mean, I think I know. I, I'm not qualified to speak, but I've seen enough of it where, yeah, somebody has not been smacked or told no and thinks they can get away with anything. Well, it's about respect. And, and doesn't respect anything. It's, it's about respect. That's Ultimately, that's what it is. I right. mean, ultimately, it, it, you may feel a certain way about any particular right. player, but I'm not going up in his face at 15 right. or 14 or 16 and saying that. And, and and trying to make a point that I'm cooler or bigger or better than you when you've not done a damn thing in right. this world. Not you've to not mention, accomplished crap. Not to mention Cam is built like a brick house. I mean, the guy's 6'5", 250. I mean, he can, he can handle himself. I mean, it's not like this is airplane and you're going up to the cockpit to talk to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> My dad says you don't really try that hard unless it's the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's just not it's just not cool. But, but it's not a, it's not right. a good look and no. it's unfortunate. And uh, and my my deal is like Cam's not insinuating. He's not he's not in instigating these things. He's right. not sitting there talking bad yeah. about people's kids or doing something for this stuff. Somebody got mad right. at him and wanted to take it out on, in a physical altercation. There's no place for it. So basically he handles four guys by himself and until security rolls in. <laughs> What's that, Orn? Or get on the mic. I, Orn, if you're going to say it, share it with everyone. Well, he just said, maybe they're Brock, maybe Purdy, Brock fans. Purdy fans. That's a great line. After he killed Purdy and <laughs> said Yeah, they didn't a, like the fact they called him a system quarterback. Yeah, the 10th best player on the team. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, don't tell it in Carl's ear. Share your share the comedic brilliance with the audience. So if he laughs, then I got to find out what he's laughing about. You nitwit. Anyway, great job. Hey man, speaking of fights in the stands and all sorts of stuff breaking out, I didn't realize UFC was out of Mexico City. Did you know that? No, I did not. This is going down, and a viral video happens where the fight. This was UFC. I've lost track on what number this was. Two ninety seven. Who knows? Anyway, it's a big one. And uh, they've been in Mexico City in a couple of years, so a fight breaks out, and it was kind of like a, a similar to the malice in the palace in the sense that there was a bunch of guys sitting ringside or octagon side who looked like they could handle themselves, okay. and there was a guy or two who looked like they couldn't. So do you remember when the malice in the palace is winding down, and then Ron Artest, two guys stepped to him, the one guy looked like Turtle yeah. from Entourage, On and then pow, and Ron takes out like two guys. Well, there's this whole brawl going down, and these guys are all like pretty much in shape, and there's one dude who's kind of like sort of portly and kind of waddles, and he's in the mix, and next thing you know, in one motion, his entire shirt, save for his sleeve, has been ripped off. <laughs> and then as he's staggering, pow, he gets hit with the left, and he goes down. So just Google uh, UFC Mexico City fight, fight, and you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about, and watch this go. Now, I don't have audio for this, because this next uh, story I'm going to read to you is more about uh, kind of reading lips, but the uh, Screen Actors Guild Award was going down, which is kind of a precursor uh, to the uh, to the Oscars. Oscars. Yeah. And uh, at the awards, uh, you have a lot of entertainers, one of which uh, is uh, Russell Wilson's lovely wife, Ciara, who's nominated for her role in The Color Purple. Okay. So she is there wearing this eye-popping, gorgeous, uh, brown, skin-tight, latex dress. Mm. And uh, as the camera... You, you know, had me of, at latex. Yes, it does. As the camera pans to, like, Russell Wilson and Ciara, and she looks great. At a, and it's, someone put it on TikTok, you can see Wilson lean over and says, I'm going to need to take you out that latex. He said that to her? Yes. Not on Oh, in her ear or something like yes. that. Yes. So apparently, ah. lip readers say, and this is on TikTok, uh, TikTok goes, I'm going to need to take you out of that latex. 
To which she apparently gives him a look like, really, dude? She's kind of like staring at him. She's smiled, it's kind of a smirk, and she apparently lip readers swear. She says, stop, you're doing too much. Ooh. You ever done anything dangerous? Wow. I need to get you pregnant. <laughs> so... We, and then she tried to laugh. Once things went viral, she said, we'd be cutting up with a crying, laughing emoji sure. on social media. Once I guess it got back to her from one of her hands. Just leave that stuff at home, Russ. Well, I'm going to bring that out of But again, is Carl... Russ, his wife's looking sexy. I mean, he's like... But, he but is, is, is this, Russ, again, a manifestation of all the negative feedback here in other cities where he's got to come out to be more street, Carl? Is that what <laughs> that Russ... Oren, Chris, do you feel that Russ is trying to project street? Cred in the comment. I'm gonna need to take you out that late. The, the biggest sort of when Russ started, when Russ had his ex-wife, he he kind of talked a certain way. Uh-huh. Then when he married Ciara, he started it talking changed. a different it way. Changed. So it changed. It changed oh. a little bit. So she, she changed him. Yeah, it went from being Russell Wilson to Russ. Okay. All right. So. No, I, listen, I, I want to just take this to Mike's point. I, right. I do get it, and I think it's funny. But I, I just want to take it as like a guy thinking his wife is hot. Right. He's at an award show, and he's right. like, yo, I'm getting you out of that when we get home. Right. Like, yeah, that's, that's fun. Right. That's cool. But right. I don't know. But, I mean, what's it? So <laughs> if he had done something like Tracy, well, I'm going to put another baby in his That's what I'm saying. i got to get you pregnant. <laughs> I just figured out what it was because I hadn't seen this. I just watched it right what is now. It? What is it? She was trying to do a cute, romantic, couple video and he made it about sexy time. Oh, so, so he she, made it sexy time. So yeah, and that yeah. she was trying to do a nice like kiss each other on the cheek. I'm gonna yeah, get yeah, you yeah, out that latex. Yeah. He took it one step too far, and then she was like, "You ruined this for me, right. bro." Ah, oh, I got you. So well, she you know, was like, trying to do the video. Okay, like your wife's doing a selfie, and you go, Blah, you know, in her ear or something like that. This is the man you trust on third and short right now, too, huh? <laughs> yes, <laughs> to deliver you. Yes, you know, I don't. It's like he's better off just staying in Seattle. This guy's life is. And by the way, he did say in an interview on the podcast was was it Brandon Marshall he was yeah. talking to. Yeah, yeah, saying that uh, he does. He, after all the crap he's been through, he still puts it out that he wants to finish his career in Denver, which no one believes. So I know. that gets back to the authenticity that a lot of people question. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I. Uh, by the way, I got the outfit. The outfit look good though. Looks amazing. How do you look? Google it. Yeah, Be- I didn't see it. Yeah. I didn't see she's it. Google Ciara Brown latex. She's a twelve man. She's right. no. She has a beautiful, beautiful one. Yes. Hey, man, this guy talking. Don't forget, shenanigans. Friday, we want to get you guys planning ahead. We're going to be at Twin Peaks in Kennesaw yes, on sir. Friday. We haven't been up there in that neck of the woods in a long time. So, again, as we like to say, get your cover story right, and we'll see you out there. Also, uh, we did mention it earlier for guys that missed a great race down in Atlanta. We uh, Thanks to our guys that we uh, I gave uh, some tickets. I couldn't go. My wife had to go out of town on a family emergency, so I was stuck with the dog. Yeah. But my neighbors went had a ball and get that amazing three-by, I mean, side-by-side-by-side finish, three abreast there at the finish line. Amazing race at AMS. No, it's and Daniel it's, Suarez takes a check. Everybody's talking about it. The drivers are even like, "Man, that was crazy," uh, which is is a great finish for for NASCAR. Mm. All right, guys, coming up, you're going to hear what Steve Weiss had to say about our quarterback options and what he thinks the Falcons may do. It might surprise you. Stay there, it's Dukes and Bell. Mm. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 